mining of Bitcoin globally is now using up enough electricity to power a country the equivalent size of the UAE. What's more, it's growing. But amid the warnings of the impact on climate change, this trend can also be seen as an indicator for how the broader increase in digitalization will challenge how we utilize energy resources in the future. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Before we begin, please do subscribe to this show or any of the National's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is my co-host, Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So the premise for this discussion today um, about Bitcoin and energy use is an article you wrote for The National, which you can see at thenationalnews.com, about the increasing energy demand that people who mine Bitcoin, as opposed to people who trade Bitcoin, and we'll explain what that means. Yes. um, It's the equivalent now of the UAE and will soon be the equivalent of how much energy Pakistan uses. Right. And it's slated to, so researchers at Cambridge University estimate that the electricity consumption of the Bitcoin network is almost 120 terawatt hours annually. That's more than the energy consumption of the UAE at 119.45 terawatt hours. And as you said, on course to overtake Pakistan. But proponents of Bitcoin argue this isn't a nuanced enough view of cryptocurrencies generally. And as we see from Tesla's earnings report this morning, which was largely pinned on Bitcoin, it's entering a mainstream, the likes of which we have not. It keeps reaching unprecedented heights. So today, I did really want to talk to you about digging in, mining into what is this hullabaloo about energy consumption and Bitcoin. So I mean, the hypothesis is that the the growing price of Bitcoin, at, you know, w- w- around sixty thousand dollars per Bitcoin at the moment, is fueling uh, the activity of Bitcoin miners around the world, but a large number of them in China, for example. And if I can sort of describe what Bitcoin mining is, it's not mining in the traditional sense as people might have known it historically. No, but we do often compare it to gold mining because it's a useful comparison. Off to go to a finite resource. The miners are not very fairly, it's not the miners who get rich. But in this case, they, they, they do. Here we go. Yeah, no, but in this case... I and mean, we're off. Yeah, no, but in this case, the, the Bitcoin miners do do this for what what is hopefully for them. if they And they have to strike it lucky. If I'm going to use the gold miners analogy, not every gold miner found gold. And many, many rushed. And, and, and you know, in the, in the various gold rushes, and it's not history lesson here, but the various gold rushes um, and bought equipment... And went out there and panhandled and did all of that stuff, right? Okay, so just what did Satoshi build in two thousand eight? What like what was the what was the thing? What is what is Bitcoin? How is it mined? I'll describe it in the in the most basic terms. Mining Bitcoin is like the equivalent of a computer game. You, it's a competition to uh, transact to process enough transactions, Bitcoin transactions, in the blockchain, essentially the place where you play the game to then win a certain number of Bitcoins. And like any video game, your your ability to play it, in this case, your computing power, gives you a greater chance of success. And that's why the, these Bitcoin mines, so to speak, these the, they, they aren't the friendliest places to work. I mean, where the comparisons are to actual mines are, is that they are huge places where there are large amounts of servers 
generating that computer power to play that game as best as they can. And it's not necessarily the healthiest environment to work in. But the other side of it is that to power these servers, to power these, this compute, this compute as they call it, requires a lot of energy. And if you're somewhere like Iceland, where it's all geothermal energy, then it's sustainable or clean energy that you're using. But if you're somewhere else and you are drawing on huge amounts of coal-fired power, electricity derived from coal or oil or gas, which is better but not necessarily you know, completely green, then and you're building on this to the point where you're the equivalent of another country, then the emissions from this, the effect on the environment, on global warming, is what has people up in arms. And I think before... I know you're going to jump in, but before, just to say that the difference between the drawing of energy for something like IT or the cloud or the internet in general is it benefits everyone. Mm. Where the Bitcoin mining benefits those people who successfully get the Bitcoin in that competition, in that video game that they are playing, and nobody else. That it's, you know, the utmost, you know, capitalistic competition, essentially. Right. And it's a it's a hunt for a finite resource. Satoshi, the anonymous creator of Bitcoin, it's encoded that there would Bitcoin would never exceed 21 million coins, which is the core technological breakthrough there is that it's a finite source. And the only way to extract it is to prove that you've expended energy. So you actually trade compute energy for this value. And I think understanding that is core to understanding why it takes so much energy to to extract, to mine. But um, I do think we also need to talk about, in order for Satoshi, he or she, to build a decentralized unit of digital value into the world, he, he or she, they could have done other things. Initial coin offerings, airdrops is another method that has been mentioned and faucet models are another like kind of gimmicky thing. But this idea of exchanging energy for value is core to Bitcoin, and it will never change. So this idea that we'll innovate our way out of the energy needed is incorrect, but the energy source is something that could perhaps be changed. I I think there's a broader discussion here about digitalization and technology and our changing ways of of living. But just to come back to to, to your point about Bitcoin, it's decentralized and it's robust. You can't manipulate it. And the reason why you can't manipulate it is because it takes huge amounts of computing power to dominate the blockchain, to be able to defraud people. So the idea was, that, I mean, the original concept was how do you build a peer-to-peer financial you know, form of exchange without a bank or someone sitting in the middle to guarantee that things are honest? You have to assume that everybody's out to defraud the system. And to make sure that the system remains robust and fair, then the majority of users make decisions and the majority of users are unlikely to defraud themselves or other people. So that's why you need also increasing amounts of power because the the larger the number of people that get onto this network and want to be part of it, then the, the, the bigger the draw is. So it's like, to your point, it is absolutely right. This is the point of Bitcoin. It's not going to change. Unlike uh, you know, our, our producer Aisha Khan mentioned Ethereum are planning to change the way Ether, their cryptocurrency, is uh, is mined, so to speak, to be more sustainable. But that is effectively a closed system. It's it's not the same as Bitcoin, which requires a majority of users, which is very very hard 
uh, to coagulate the majority of users to make any real changes. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's not a question of this bad publicity about Bitcoin to pressure any particular group or institution. Even though there are a number of groups out there that claim to be, you know, working on behalf of Bitcoin, it's nebulous. There, you know, this isn't something that if we shout out enough about it, that it is going to make a difference. No, and interesting. I mean, what's been shouted out a few times is that Bill Gates told the New York Times last month that Bitcoin is the most energy intensive you know, form of transaction known to mankind. Sure. But the idea now is if it hits mainstream enough, it actually could accelerate a transition to renewable energy on a broader scale, that it actually is not a carbon footprint issue. It actually could be a renewable energy issue if we just reframe it. (laughs) Well, we have an urgent energy transition that we're in the middle of. And, and, you know, last week, the U.S. President Joe Biden uh, convened 40 global leaders online um, he 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 hosted it from the White House to talk about a new step change in meeting the Paris climate deal agreements to to limit global warming to the one and a half degrees above pre-industrial levels. And that includes a massive, massive amount of investment in renewable energy, in sustainable energy, in clean energy, amongst many, many other things. So the, the kind of wider problem will solve essentially what is um, kind of headline grabbing you know, there's so much emotion about Bitcoin. It is loved and loathed and misunderstood and, you know, invoked whenever people want to talk about the the dark side of our, our new digital lives. Sure. I mean, I, the thing about Bitcoin is it being stateless, it being wildly volatile, it being in its early days beholden to cyber hacking. It, it has a tough reputation to overcome, but its potential as a decentralizing, get rid of the gatekeepers force is incredibly exciting. And when you speak about renewable energy potential, Bitcoin itself could solve two problems that the renewable energy industry is facing right now. One is offload supply. So if you have excess supply, where does it go? It could go towards Bitcoin miners to exchange that for value. And then if you carry that further down the road, Bitcoin then potentially solves a battery issue, which is We haven't figured out really an efficient way to store solar or wind energy when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. So you could potentially, energy companies have already done this, mine Bitcoin off to the side as a means of, you know, storing value. There's so much animosity towards the concept of Bitcoin, particularly from from governments. Um, And I'm a firm believer that it's because they don't understand it. Um, And most regulators don't want anything to do with it. And, you know, when forced to uh, categorize it, they'll, for example, in the US, um, call it a commodity rather than a currency. They don't, and, 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 that, and that's partly because then they don't have to deal with it as much as they would if they said it was actually a currency. And I think there's a race for, the, for central banks to be, whether it's China or elsewhere, the first central bank to issue their own um, digital currency because they think that somehow the appetite for digital exchange, mediums of exchange, will will kind of filter through to what they're doing. I think that what's happening with Bitcoin is an indicator of something much deeper and, and much more about how our lives are changing. And if you look at sort of more benign platforms like, you know, again, to come back to the video games like Fortnite or Roblox that create worlds within worlds and, you know, even Minecraft has been around for years, they'll continue to draw 
more people and become more complex. And if you throw in virtual reality, augmented reality, and the, the worlds become deeper and richer and will have their own currencies, already have their own currencies, already have their own mediums of exchange, requires you to buy tools and equipment, then that will begin to draw power as well. So, but then that's, there'll be so many of them <laughs> that you, you know, it's not just one villain, which is, you know, Bitcoin miners. We need to come up with a solution to the increasing uh, electricity that, again, to come back to the beginning, cloud computing or any kind of digital activity is, is requiring. Right. The push to digitalize is a huge burden on our grid systems. But the push to decentralize, which is powering some of this migration to things like Bitcoin, is hugely exciting. I mean, to your point, but we are going to need currencies and products and things we haven't even imagined yet to to seed these worlds and to make these worlds compelling places to be both economically and socially, societally. So um, are you saying that decentralizing the way we produce power is, 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 is sort of following the Bitcoin model is a way, is a way to resolve, resolve, you know, a lot of these issues? It's meta, but Max Webster, a energy Bitcoin entrepreneur, I read a lot of to prep for this episode, to be honest, talks a lot about the similarities between the financial and energy industries both being in dire need of decentralization, of the removal of these opaque gatekeepers, and that renewable energy sources and Bitcoin could be two paths forward, and they have much in common. Bitcoin has really an original sin problem, which is that when it was created back in 2008, and continuing still today, we are a carbon-based, fossil fuel-based economy. And the you know, exchange of energy for value when you're in that economy and desperately seeking to you know, meet your Paris climate agreement, become ESG, stakeholder capitalism-oriented, is you know, we've kind of got to rebuild Bitcoin as we're already careening along the highway. It's hit this mainstream focus. Tesla, Goldman Sachs, PayPal, all major names really giving credence to its validity. But with its energy consumption needs, it desperately needs a renewable energy story at this point. And so if Bitcoin can solve that, it it potentially could really point the way forward for other, uh, you know, energy intensive practices. Kelsey Warner, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you all for listening. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Once again, I'll ask you to subscribe to this podcast or any of the Nationals podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. Do join us again next time.